This is Wealth Curve Talk with John L. Smallwood, certified financial planner and president of Smallwood Wealth Management. With more than 30 years of experience in helping people with wealth management, financial planning, business ownership, estate planning, insurance, and more, John's here to share the news you can use to improve your financial confidence. Now, best-selling author and six-time five-star wealth manager award winner, John L. Smallwood. Hopefully, we're thinking about how important it is to maximize assets. Social Security is one of those things that I think is the carrot is being waved at the wrong direction, meaning we're giving up hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of opportunity during our lifetime by doing what everybody's telling us to do, which is defer your Social Security benefit as long as you possibly can, especially when you're retired and not working. This may very well be one of the worst decisions that we're going to make in the long run. And there's a lot of variables in this, right? So as I always say, what I'm talking about on the podcast may not apply to your specific situation, but it's the thinking that I want you to get to, meaning We have to have good thinking when we're making these decisions because there's so many different variables that are going to come into play that it's almost impossible to predict how those variables are going to unfold. Meaning the sequence of returns, the sequence of taxation, the concept of means testing, you know, all these things that are out there that are constant conversations that are going on. But again, it's your wealth and you're supposed to keep it, not give it away. So here's what we're going to talk about today. I have a hypothetical conversation with a husband and wife, newly retired, 65 years old. Nice amount of assets. They have a million dollars of non-qualified assets. They have a million dollars in their retirement plans. Wonderful. And they're sitting here thinking about, should I defer my social security till 70 or should I take it now? But if I wait, it's going to be more. More should be better. Matter of fact, if you think about it, Husband and wife, 65, maybe today, top of the benefit, you're going to get close to 36000 And my assumption is 65, they're going to get $36,000 a year. The husband or the breadwinner and the spouse is going to collect half of that. So 18000 If they defer, the primary would get 52000 and the spouse would get twenty six. It's a full $24,000 a year in annual income. Just waiting. Where can I get that return is the thinking. Can't get that return anywhere. Interest rates in the bank are nothing, market's high, et cetera, et cetera. On the surface, this sounds like it's right, right? It sounds smart. We'll use our assets and we'll let that happen. Now, when we decide to use our own assets to produce the income, because if I'm retired and my assumption in this is that the family needs $130,000 a year for lifestyle. So where do we get the money? We're going to get an IRA withdrawal. And in my concept here, I'm talking about a $50,000 IRA withdrawal starting at 65, 5% withdrawal, and the rest of the money coming from the non-qualified money. I've got an average effective tax bracket of 21%, so minimal taxation. And, And the idea is that they have good assets, so they can do this. Some people can't do this. These people can do this. So if they let it sit and they let their social security go to 70, then start taking it at 70, the assets over that five-year time frame from 65 to 70 would grow from about 2 million to 2,160,000. 
So now we've maximized that benefit. We have the biggest benefit we can possibly get. And none of my calculations today for this conversation have inflation because inflation would just, you know, make things muddy and the water is very dark and just don't know what's going to happen because inflation is might be transitory, might not be. We don't know. But the 30-year average of inflation is pretty low compared to this. But right now, we're getting some of the highest inflation rates that we can possibly have. So these are going to factor into our conversations. The more I defer, the better that inflationary rise could be because it's compounding. If I'm taking it, it's still going up, by the way. I'm still going to get an inflationary rise every single year. So Person defers to 70, they have 2160 Person says, no, I'm going to take the Social Security, I'm going to take less now, burden hand, dollar today, it's worth more than a dollar tomorrow, right? That's going to reduce their withdrawal because they're going to have more cash flow coming in from a third party, not relying on their own assets. And over time, looking at 70, they'd have 2.440 versus the 2,160, about $280,000 more. Social Security is less 24,000, meaning the combined Social Security is $24,000 less. And that seems like a big mistake. Now, in my assumptions, I have a balanced portfolio utilizing market data for 30 years and, you know, 40% in the S&P 500, 5% in small cap, 10% in cash, which the cash component of that makes zero. And then you got short-term and long-term bonds. So over the time frame, you got about an 8.5% pre-tax, pre-pressure rate of return in these conversations. So the key is this. I now have more money, more assets producing more income for me. And if the logic was right, over the course of the next 10 years, between 70 and 80, that social security gap should get reduced because I'm getting more money, that 24,000 more per year, that's less withdrawal from the portfolio, so I should be compounding. And what's interesting is at the end of the 10 years, age 80, I'm at 3.3 versus 3,632. It's almost $300,000. 298000 So that extra money is still there. So now I have $300,000 more for gifts. I have $300,000 more for long-term care. I have $300,000 more for vacations. I have $300,000 more for cars. I have 300000 more for inflation. That's what I want you to start thinking about. How do I utilize those extra funds to create more money at age 90? Logic would have thought when I did this, my brain thought at 90, the person who deferred to 70 should have more money than the person who took it at 65. And that the 65-year-old would have 5935000 versus 5006000 Still $330,000 spread. Now, wealth in its creation is a nonlinear conversation. All of these numbers are linear, meaning we're making the same tax rate every year. We're making the same rate of return. We're making the same you know, assumptions that both people are still here at 90, husband and wife. You start entering in different dynamics, right? Somebody dies early. Markets go up quick. Markets go down. You have to think about this, like where am I going to be and what are the changing variables in the sequence of the returns? And you can simulate these with all these different variables. But at the end of the day, the concept is when you use the government money sooner than later, you take the pressure off of your withdrawal rate. Anytime you take the pressure off the withdrawal rate, in the long run, you do better. Specifically, if you start off the sequence with a down market, meaning I retire yesterday, I'm deferring my social security and the market goes down. I got to take more money out of the portfolio. I have less portfolio to recover. If tax rates go up, social security is a little bit more efficient than an IRA withdrawal because the IRA withdrawal is fully taxable 
and the Social Security is only taxed, 85% of it's taxable. 15% is tax-free. This is a strategic conversation in thinking, right? And it's like, what are things that I can do with that money? How can I shore up my plan? How can I make my plan more effective? What are the things that I could be doing? Can I be generating more income from that asset? Can I get a better outcome? What can I do? So many different things. But when I have more money, typically, if I approach it right, things should be better. <laughs> Not always, right? The mindset is this. So many things that we do, the herd mentality or conventional wisdom says you should do this. And everybody gets in line and they follow that and the marketing is strong. Then you have to step back and think about what is it? Why are they telling us this? I did the eight rules of the financial institutions, one of my older podcasts, or the five rules of the financial institutions, right? Which is the goal of any financial institution is the longer they hang on to money, the more they benefit from it. Well, the government is a financial institution, gets to hang on to the money. Your longevity for taking the money goes down. The odds of two people making it to both people making it to like age 80, age 85, it's about 50%. The odds of one of you making there is 90. So they know law of averages at some point, one person's going away, and on the first death, we get to choose the higher of the two social security. So if I die, and assume for a moment that I have the higher social security payout, and my wife has less, she's taking mine and losing hers. If she dies, I lose her benefit. And that changes the compounding chain all the way through. Those variables are going to be different, but the idea is that if I'm the financial institution, I want to hang on to the money as long as I possibly can. But what's interesting is a lot of strategies that are designed now where you give money to a financial institution, in turn, they give you a bridge gap of that income for the 10-year period. So they get to use your money or for the five-year period, they get to use your money and they give you the money back, but they're getting the lion's share of the rate of return on that. So a lot of things I see out here I don't really like, but I do like the idea of being in control of an extra potentially potentially could be completely different numbers based upon the sequence of the return on the outcome. But as you start to think about this, what could I do with an extra 280,000? How much more enjoyable could my life be? What more things could I do with the family or my friends or with my hobbies or the first 10 years of my retirement? Because I talk about this pretty much every day. The next 15 years are your most important 15 years. It's what you do in those next 15 years that is setting us up for potentially, hey, I'm 15 years from retirement, or it's the first 15 years of my retirement, or it's the last 15 years of my retirement, or it's the middle 15 years of my retirement. doesn't really matter. What I'm talking about is when I look back 15 years from now, and I look at my net worth statement, and it's up 300,000 versus what it would have been, potentially, give or take. Is that better? Is it better to give my family an extra 300 or the government? Is it better to have control of that money? Would it have been better to educate my grandkids with that money? Would it have been better to take a couple of vacations more with my spouse? Would I've looked back and enjoyed that a little bit more? A lot of people say to me, John, at age 80, I don't really care how much more money I have or don't have. It's just that first 15 years of retirement, how well was it? How much enjoyment did I have? You know, I'm going to slow down at some point or my spouse is going to slow down at some point and we're, we're going to do less. Well, the key is to do more now and reduce the fear of running out of money. You know, we hear a lot about withdrawal rate, right? So the lower the withdrawal rate, the better it is. So if I take the Social Security, I have a lower withdrawal rate to have the same lifestyle. That's what we're talking about. So here's what I want you to understand. 
This is uniquely individual to who's ever listening to this right now. This is about you and your wealth and your decisions. And what's right for this fictitious 65-year-old couple is not necessarily right for you. you Got to look at your health. If you're not healthy, taking the benefit now could be substantially more important because you're not going to get the time value of money. You're not going to get that break even at age 80, 85. Like if I take it now at 65 or I wait to 70, it's about 14 years, give or take, break even, meaning dollar for dollar that I receive from Social Security. Like that's a long time, right? It's that same 14 years that I keep talking about. <laughs> so I want you to think through this decision for yourself and I want you to kind of think about it. There was a great ad a few years ago where they talk about, you know, the future you, what would the future you do? And if you had the ability to be looking at yourself and passing judgment or giving you guidance, like they did with the lottery ticket one where like, buy the lottery ticket, cash it in, don't lose it. Don't be a schmuck. No, <laughs> but the idea is you're looking back and you're looking at this and saying, what was the right decision? And we don't know till later, but anytime I could take money that's other people's money, it's the government's money, but we paid into it. Our rate of return is low. Getting as much money out for as long as I possibly can, for as long as I possibly can, is probably the smarter decision because there's so many variables that are going to change in the future. Interest rates are going to change. Tax rates are going to change. Social security rules will change. Again, the question is, will they be in my favor or will they be against me? We don't know. So this is one of those concepts that you really need to put it in context with your plan and see what would be the best decision for you and your spouse now. So if you're new to Smallwood Wealth, you can go to the website and you can sign up for what we call a Wealth Curve Conversation, which is about your wealth curve, where you are, what's going on, your family, your income sources, your assets, your liabilities, your protection. What are the things that you could do? You know, so many things that you can be doing if we do it differently. But the key is to get that conversation down. If you're an existing client, schedule a catch-up call. Let's go through this again. Let's make sure that we're as efficient within your thinking as we possibly can. So hopefully I opened your mind. We thought a little bit more strategically. Hopefully we're thinking about the variables a little bit differently because they're not going to be static. This is not going to happen the way I said it was in this podcast. It's going to be different. The question is, how prepared are we for it when it goes differently? Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Want weekly lessons from John? Hit the subscribe button now. And thanks for listening to Wealth Curve Talk. Wealth Curve Talk with John L. Smallwood is brought to you by Smallwood Wealth Management, an investment advisor representative. Strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone, and the information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action as information and or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Smallwood Wealth Management provides content that is true and accurate as of the date of publishing. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this website or podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including but not limited.
limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, misleading, or defamatory statements.